Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Good to see you. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you joined us as well. Have you ever uh, noticed in life that some things seem simple, but they're actually pretty complicated? Have you ever noticed that? Okay, well, I'm, I'll give you some things. Um, there, was a, there was a man in the 20th century who wanted to go and prove that 1 plus 1 equals 2. 1 plus 1 equals 2. That's like one of the first math problems we learn, right? 1 plus 1 equals 2. Well, it took him over 300 pages to prove that 1 plus 1 actually equals 2. Some things seem simple but they can be kind of complicated, especially when really smart people start doing some things, right? Uh, so one, one of the things that scientists uh, have wondered why it works is bicycles. Bicycles. For over 200 years, bicycles have existed, but they've baffled scientists on why they work, why they stay up. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe when you were a kid or uh, if you're a young person today, uh, try this. Just don't tell your parents that I told you to try it, even though they're in here and they would already know. But uh, ride your bike and then you jump off the back of it and let the bike keep going. What happens? The bike keeps going, right? You're not on it to balance it. It just keeps going. Eventually it falls over. But why does that, why does that work? Well, scientists haven't been able to figure it out. Uh, another thing is uh, the, the simple thing, uh, the simple game of rock, paper, scissors. You guys know that game? You guys where? I'm just trying to make sure you guys are here and like listening. Okay. Uh, rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Um, apparently that simple game, rock, paper, scissors, is uh, a little bit more complicated than it seems. But first, let's just try and play a little bit of game. You guys up for trying to play me in rock, paper, scissors? Okay. We're going to go on shoot. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. So you guys ready? Come on. We're going to actually do this. I'm going to see how many people I can win against. All right. Those of you at home, too, okay? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right. Who did I beat? Who did I beat? Who beat me? All, everyone. Okay. Okay. Some of you just didn't participate. That's fine. Those of you at home, let me know in the comments so I can look back later and see who I won against and who I didn't win against. Uh, apparently, uh, psychologists have been able to discover that rock, paper, scissors... Uh, is not the most simple uh, of a game as it seems because uh, they have discovered that there are different strategies you can do to win against the other person. Apparently, there's this thing called automatic imitation where because you can see their body language, uh, a lot of times you are influenced subtly, subconsciously to do uh, one of one of your choices. Right? This is why a lot of times when you're playing it with your friends uh, and, and adults, you guys, you know you still do this, right? To settle disputes sometimes with your kids, uh, no matter how old they are, right? Uh, I won rock, paper, scissors. That means I'm right. Um, it doesn't lie, right? But when sometimes when you play, you get the same, like you guys keep doing the same one. It's because of automatic imitation. It's a thing. So here's what they've discovered is one of the strategies to, to win against someone in rock, paper, scissors is to blindfold yourself. Blindfold yourself. Then you won't be influenced by them. Okay? So just so you guys know, next time you're playing, just close your eyes. They'll be like, what's going on? It's like, no, it's fine. And you'll win. It's fine. Okay? Cool. So some things are simple, but they can, they seem simple and they can be complicated. Some things are simple and really are simple, but we tend to overcomplicate them. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes in the church we do this quite a bit. 
Uh, and one of the areas we tend to uh, complicate a simple thing is in the area. And if you grew up in church, you know this word. If you're new to church, then this will be a new word for you. But it's in the area of our calling. Our calling. What has God called us to do in our lives? We tend to overcomplicate that because we tend to assume that the only people who are called by God are people who heard something specific from God to go and do something very specific in their lives. For example, in 2011, on Super Bowl Sunday of 2011, uh, my wife and I, we were uh, new to church, new to, new to Jesus, and we were, we were attending church, and, and at the end of the day, we don't know why, but uh, we had an overwhelming sense that God was ultimately called calling us to go into vocational ministry. And it was a very specific thing. I really felt like God had given clarity on that. But before I even had that call, I was still called. And even if you've not heard something very specific uh, from God about what you're supposed to do in your life, you are still called by God. All of us have a calling. And, and it consists of three things. Down, down. Three things. First is to love God. The second one is to love people. And, and most of us, if we grew up in church, we're, we're dialed into that. We, yeah, we've heard that. Love God, love people. We might even have a t-shirt that says it. Love God, love people. But the third thing is where we've oftentimes, we've messed it up. We've, we've either forgotten this or we've overcomplicated it to where we don't do it. So God, God would say, uh, the, your calling that he's called us to is to love him, to love people, and to make disciples. Love God, love people, and make disciples. That, that's the great commandment, to love God and love people. And the great commission, God's commission, is Jesus commissioned us to make disciples. What did Jesus do, right? He came down and he died a death for us, for our sins, and then he rose again from the dead. And then he told us, before he ascended to the throne in heaven, he said, hey, I want you, my disciples, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, of all ethnos, all people of all different walks of life, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything he has commanded, everything I, Jesus, everything Jesus has commanded you, and remind, uh, remember, I'm with you to the end of the age. I'm with you in it. And the, the problem with us uh, is what we've started to believe is that uh, love God, love people, that's for all of us. That's for all of us. But the make disciples part, for some reason, we've started to believe, and maybe we've done this subtly, uh, but maybe overtly, we've believed that the people who get a call from God in a specific way to go into vocational ministry or to become a missionary, those are the people who are called to be disciple makers. And that is just not true. It's actually called, all of us are called to make disciples. And I know, like some of us, we've like really nervous about this idea. Like we can't picture ourselves uh, making a disciple. We, we can't picture ourselves having a conversation with someone about Jesus and uh, helping them see the hope in Jesus, baptizing them. Like some of you think it's just a pastor who's supposed to be baptizing people. That's not true. Okay, uh, you, you can do that. Imagine that. You can share your story with someone. You can, you can lead them to Jesus and you can teach them what Jesus has said. All of us are called to do this. All of us are called to make disciples. So the re the question is, why do we not do that? See, we've been in the series called We Are for the last now three weeks. 
And, and all of us would agree, like, Christ-centered, that's a good idea. If you follow Jesus, you should be Christ-centered. We should revolve our lives around Christ. Everything he says, everything he, he wants us to be about, how he wants us to be about it, that is all coming down to what he says and how he lives and how he wants us to live. As he's living in us and giving us the power to obey him. We, we all agree with that. Better together. We are better together. We, we would all see that as a good idea, right? Like sometimes, as we talked about last week, people were like, uh, better together. I don't know because they're people. But at the end of the day, we really need people, right? We need to love each other. We need to bear each other's burdens. That's a good idea. We should be unified and we need people in our lives, right? Better together. But the third one and what we're going to be talking about today is we are disciple making disciples. We are disciple-making disciples. Because why? Because that's what God would want for us. That's what Jesus has called us to. And now we're going to step into a very simple... I want to simplify it for all of us. So that when we step into this, uh, we, we have some tools and we know what it is that it means to make a disciple. Every one of us who follows Jesus... Hear me in. Every one of us who follows Jesus is called to make disciples. Everyone. No, it's not just for the people who are, have the spiritual gift of evangelism or teaching. It's not for those who are not socially awkward. Even the socially awkward. You, you still get called to make disciples. Be socially awkward for the glory of God. And it'll be fine. He'll give you the words to say and how to say it. it all of us, no matter our background, are called to make disciples. So I've given you the whole sermon. We've not even gotten into the scriptures yet. Okay, John 9. Let's go there. John 9 is where we're going to jump into. And what we're going to see is that Jesus has called us to be about this and to be disciple-making disciples. And it's not as complicated. It's not as difficult as you might think it is. Okay? So Jesus and his disciples, uh, they are walking down the road. And they come upon a man who was born blind. And the disciples have a question. They have a question like some of my, uh, sometimes my kids, especially Kyrea, she's the oldest, more, most inquisitive, uh, and most dialed into this right now because she's seven, uh, she'll ask me really hard theological questions. Um, and one of the disciples, they started asking Jesus, hey, Jesus, why is this man blind? Why was he born blind? Was it because of the sin of their parents or their grandparents? What, what, why was he born blind? Because they believe that uh, if your grandparents or parents sinned, then oftentimes that would result in some kind of physical defect or some kind of thing that was a difficulty in your life. And uh, Jesus says, well, no, it's actually not because someone sinned. It's, it's actually because uh, he's going to be, uh, we're going to show the glory of God through this man. And so this man is blind. He's always been blind. He's never been able to see ever in his life. And Jesus and the disciples will walk by him. And this is what Jesus does. Verse 6, John chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, after he said these things, after Jesus said these things to the disciples, you guys have to see it, okay, for real. Like, <laughs> he spit on the ground, Jesus spit on the ground, and he made some mud from the saliva and spread the mud on this dude's eyes. Not like for real. Like, how, can you imagine like how much saliva he would need to turn the dirt into some mud to enough to where he could cover the dude's eyes with it? Like for real. Like, hold on, guys. You know, he's like hawking up a loogie and he's spitting on the ground. He's like... This, this blind man's kind of like, he hears everything. He's like, what is this dude doing? And, and then he turns the dirt into mud. This is hilarious. Jesus didn't have to do it that way. Jesus is hilarious, y'all. He, for real. 
for real. John, <laughs> verse seven. Uh, and so he, the dude's got mud, like probably some, some, hopefully not mucus in, in, you know, but it's, it's holy mucus, you know, it's from Jesus. <laughs> it's got power there. I, uh, a buddy of mine and I, uh, years ago, we had a podcast called spit happens. The spit happens podcast. It's a play on words. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Because with Jesus, it happens. It's funny. It's terrible. I shouldn't have told you that. Um, <laughs> verse 7. Go. So Jesus tells this guy, go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. Came back seeing. Jesus spits in some dirt, makes it into mud, puts it on the guy's eyes, and the man who was born blind can now see. So the guy is living life, you know, he's able to see stuff. I'm sure that like really, really exciting for him. And people start to see him out and about. And they're like, hold up, like, is that, is that you, Joey? Like, I don't know if that's his name. We'll just call him Joey. Uh, is that you, Joey? Yeah, it's me. No, it's not you. Like, you, you were blind, dude. Like, you, you, no, that's not you. And he's like, no, for real, like, it's, it's for real me. The dude spit on my face, and now I can see. Like, it was so cool, right? Like, that's, that's amazing. It's amazing. And they start asking questions like, how did this happen? What in the world is going on? Like, you were blind. Now you can see. Uh, I missed something, okay? You know, you had a really good weekend. Uh, and this is what the, the guy said to him. Uh, he answered. Joey answered. I don't know if his name's Joey. Just keep that in mind. Uh, the man called Jesus made mud. He spread it on my eyes. He didn't say how he made it, but that's what he said. Uh, made Spread it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. Uh, and they're like, where is he? And he said, I don't know. I don't know where the guy is. And so he just told him a story. Like, I was once blind, and now I can see the dude spit on some dirt, made it into mud, put it on my eyes, now I can see. I don't know. It's just what happened. That's what happened. And then the guys, uh, the, the people who are talking to him, they take him to the Pharisees, because they're like, hold up. Like, surely the Pharisees, of all people, would be able to let us know what's going on. Like, is this from God? Is this not from God? What's going on? And so they bring him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees start questioning. Like, you know, you've ever had, like, a major moment in your life, and, like, not everyone knows all the details, uh, or they just ask you the same question over and over and over again. You're like, yes, it's for real, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You ever had that, those moments? Yeah, you have, I, I promise. Uh, even if you don't want to admit it. Okay. So that's, that's where he is. They ask him, like, well, how did this happen? It's like, Jesus did this. I don't know. It's just, well, who do you think he is? He's a prophet. I don't know. He's a prophet. He's obviously from God. He just healed me of being blind. And so like, nah, nah, this, this can't be true. Pharisees, just a little side note for us. Uh, the Pharisees, the religious people, they had a box. And inside that box was what they could expect God to do. And... Having a man who was born blind and having this guy spit on some dirt, make it in the mud, put it on his eyes, and now he's seeing. That didn't fit in the box. That was not an expectation that the Pharisees had. And all of us as religious people, if you follow Jesus at any level, uh, you're at church, so you're at least somewhat there. Um, you, We all have boxes. We all have boxes that were like, you know what, I could see God doing that. That makes sense. This This fits. But what if we were open enough to believe that God could sometimes and most times do something outside of our box? Then we wouldn't miss it when God does something in front of us. And so the Pharisees were missing it because it didn't fit 
in what their box was. In fact, they had already determined that anyone who confesses that Jesus or believes that Jesus is the Messiah, the deliverer that God had uh, told them was going to come, anybody who said Jesus is the Messiah was going to get kicked out of the synagogue. You can't come. You can't come and worship. Why? Because Jesus didn't fit in their box. Just as a little thing. Get rid of the box. Just get rid of the box. So they bring his parents in. They're like, you know, this guy's at the principal's office. Let's call their parents in. We need to have a talking to with this guy because clearly he's not. For, like he He's either always been able to see or he's still blind. And he's just really good at making stuff up. So they bring the parents in and the parents are like, yeah, that's our son. And he for real could not see. And now he can. And they're like, well, how did this happen? They're like, well, just ask him because they didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. So like, ask him. Like, apparently they didn't care if he got kicked out, but I don't know. You know, everyone has parenting issues sometimes, you know? Right? So they, they go back to him and he's like, guys, for real, like I, I'm telling you the same thing I told you again. And in verse 30, this is what he says. This is an amazing thing. Like, are you guys missing? I can see. I was blind. Now I can see. It's good news. The man told them. You don't know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. He opened, like he literally opened my eyes. I can see now, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does this, uh, does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. And so with that, the Pharisees got upset and they kicked him out. And Jesus found the man. And he came up to him and Jesus said, hey, do you believe in the son of man? One of the Jesus' favorite nicknames for himself was the son of man. And just, just as this is all free, okay? It's all free, whatever. Uh, Daniel 7, if you go to Daniel 7, you'll see what Jesus means by the son of man. Uh, if you grew up and you thought like when Jesus says, hey, I'm the son of man, that he was saying, hey guys, just so you know, in case you were wondering, I'm a human, right? Like I'm just... Jesus is expressing his humanity. No, that's not actually what he's saying. He's saying, hey, I'm the king who is coming. And Daniel talked about talked about me in Daniel chapter 7. Go read it. That's who I am. That's what I'm coming to be. Jesus didn't have to prove to anyone that he was a human. Okay? They could see him. And so that's all for my side note. So they, Jesus says, hey, do you believe the Son of Man? And this is what uh, he, he said in response. Verse 36. Who is he, sir? That I, may, that I may believe in him, he asked. Uh, verse 37, Jesus answered, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Wouldn't it be cool to talk like Jesus? Kind of refer to yourself in the third person. It'd be kind of, kind of cool. Right? I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshipped him. I believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. So, a uh, couple things I want us to make sure that we, we notice in this story, this account with Jesus, is that first the man didn't argue, he simply told his Jesus story. He didn't argue. Like the, the guys were like, that's not you, like this no, this can't happen, this doesn't work. No. He's like, no, like guys, I was blind, now I can see, that's my story. Jesus spit in some dirt, he made it in the mud. And now I can see. I don't can't explain it. It's just for real. Like it for real happened. So that's the first thing. He didn't argue. Like some people, when you talk about Jesus or you believe in Jesus, there are going to be people in your life who are going to want to argue with you. And this is one of the reasons that you maybe are uncomfortable with making disciples or the idea of having a conversation with someone about Jesus because you are worried that someone's going to ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. 
And, and guess what? You're not God. You don't have all the answers. And you don't need all the answers. If you're talking to someone about Jesus and you're sharing your story and they start arguing with you, they're like, first of all, like, how are you going to argue with my story? It's like, for real, what happened? I'm not lying to you. You can't argue with that. But second of all, if, if someone asks you a question about God that you don't know the answer to, guess what you can say? I don't know. I don't know. Why don't we look at it together and try and figure it out? Right? You're not expected to have all the answers. That's the second thing to notice in this. He told his Jesus story before he understood everything. He didn't understand everything. He didn't even know who Jesus was yet. And he told his Jesus story. You don't have to have everything figured out to tell someone about what Jesus has done in your life up to now. You don't have to know all the different doctrines of theology. You don't have to know all the big fancy words. You can just take what you have and share your story with someone. And that is the beginning point of becoming a disciple-making disciple. is someone who can share their story. See, when, when Sarah and I first uh, started following God, uh, we, we kind of were like overzealous. Like, like, like we were zealous in a way. Like we went, we, we went from new Christian to Pharisee in about 3.4 seconds. Because we were like convinced that like, well, obviously this is the right way and all y'all ain't living the right way. So let me just tell you about it. Let me tell you about how you're doing every single thing wrong. And by the way, God loves you. Right? That's like kind of how we operated. We were pretty belligerent. And then we discovered a better way. One that worked much better. And that was just to share our Jesus story and to live out what Jesus is doing in our lives because sharing your Jesus story will help others meet Jesus. Sharing your Jesus story will help others meet Jesus. If you're just willing to share, hey, I, this is what I've experienced. This is what God has done in my life. And, and just share that, then they'll be able to have a framework to understand what God would maybe do in their life. And, you know, like all of us have a different story and that's a beautiful thing. One of the things that as I've gotten used to being inside of Christian culture, um, and a lot of this happened at Bible college, you have those people in, in like that you come across who have like these crazy testimonies, right? They're like, man, I was like addicted to every single drug known to man. I was an alcoholic and I was just a horrible, I was a murderer and like whatever, you know, like you add everything in there. That's what they were. And then they had an encounter with Jesus and then they just completely transformed. And those are the stories that get shared on a stage. Those are the stories that get shared uh, in a some book or some Bible study. Those are the stories that we're used to kind of like, wow, that's amazing. And those are true and those are good. Those are good stories. Like Sarah and I have a, a somewhat level of a story like that. We didn't know God at all. And then he showed up and changed us. And now we're completely different to where when people come into contact with us who we grew up with, they're like, really? How did that happen? You're a pastor? Like, I've been meaning to ask you, what it was that? Like, what? Right? Like, because they knew me before Jesus, right? But one of the things that I've noticed happening is that for the vast majority of people who grew up in the church... Um, and you don't have this like crazy story, for some reason there's this like level of letdown for you in your own life. And, and let, can I just encourage you? The story of someone who grew up in church 
and started learning about God and started uh, understanding who God is and what he wants for them and, and how he is with them. And, and they grew up and they, they started to learn and they started to uh, memorize scripture and their, their family had conversations about God around the dinner table. And, and it was just, they, they learned and they grew and, and eventually the, the kids, right? The kids started to own their faith and, and it wasn't just a, a faith uh, of their parents, but they started to own it and they understood who Jesus was for real. Like they, they saw that Jesus is real in their life and they started to follow him. Y'all, that is a story. And obviously there was, you know, bumps in the road and, and maybe some detours and all this and that, but that steady journey of faithfulness, that's the ideal story. Y'all ne- if that's your story. Never be ashamed of that. That's the story. Like if your family has any, uh, kind of history of being with Jesus. That's the ideal story from then on. That's the story I want my kids to have. Is that, wow, my, my parents, they followed Jesus and now I follow Jesus. And I didn't have to go through a bunch of the stuff that they went through to actually hit rock bottom and realize that Jesus is the rock. And when I hit the rock bottom, I'm on the rock and I can look up and see him. Like they wouldn't have to get to that point because they understood who Jesus was even before that. And when they do hit rock bottom, because we all do it, they'll already know who the rock is because they've already known him. That's the story. That's the ideal story, y'all. Don't ever be ashamed of that as your story. But all of us have little little detours and little little turns and little de- like just we all have little things about our, our about our story. And you never be ashamed of what your story is because if you've been transformed by God, then share that. Share that. On whatever level you see that happening. If you had a good upbringing, you had a good journey with Jesus and it's been good for the most part. That's good. That's good. So share your story. So that's the first really step of becoming a disciple, making disciples, just someone who's willing and able to share your story. So if someone asked you your story, what would you say? Would you be able to tell it? Would you be willing to? Because uh, what God wants to do in us is he wants us to have a, a recognition of the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives so that when he nudges us and we, we're driving down the road and we see someone on the side of the road and the Holy Spirit is like, hey, you should go talk to them, that we, we listen and we go talk to them not knowing who they are or what they're about, but we just are willing to go and be used by God in that moment. When we're at work and we have a coworker who's maybe difficult and they're having a hard time and maybe they're hurting you, you realize that hurt people hurt people and you say, hey, can I pray for you? Can I, is there some way I can pray for you? Like maybe you don't do it at work because you're not allowed, but maybe you do it after work or whatever. Like, and, and just genuinely take an interest in them. And then when you ask them and they start sharing what's going on, because everyone's got stuff going on, especially right now, you're there and you can share your story of hope and grace through a time that was probably similar to what they've gone through because the Holy Spirit set that meeting up. It was a divine appointment. Like all of us, we have different contexts at the store, when we're at the restaurant, like when you're ordering food and you're talking to the waitress or the waiter, like I don't do this as much as I should. But one of the things that I have done and what I would encourage you to do is right before you pray, say, hey, uh, is, we're about to pray for our, our meal. Is there anything we can pray for you about? And, and you wouldn't it'd be it's you. You'd be mind blown at how much people are willing to share with you because they're willing to open up and know most people even if they don't believe in God are not going to reject the offer of prayer very rare would they do that and so you can have those opportunities to just pray for someone and that may open the door for God to lead you to share your story and then maybe who knows what would happen after that but you'd be willing to walk with them so like it's it's not complicated it's not hard it doesn't need to be intimidating what if we were willing to endure maybe 10 seconds of discomfort so that maybe someone's eternity would be changed forever
That's all it really is. Like someone who you take a real interest in and love them and, and share your story with, they're not going to punch you in the face. And even if they do, that's okay. It'll heal. Right? It'll heal. And, and you can just step in and insert yourself into their life in a divine way because God's leading you to it. So I want to give you a three-step framework. Type A people, three steps. Okay? Three steps to share your story, no matter what it is, with anyone. You know, it doesn't have to be super long. You can, you can rehearse this. Like, this is something to actually spend some time on and thinking about. Three steps to share your story with someone. Because that's the first step to becoming a disciple-making disciple. When you're willing to share your journey with God and open the door for them to, to receive that as well. So first step. There was a time in my life when. There was a time in my life when. Whatever that is for you. There was a time in my life when I was depressed. There was a time in my life when I didn't have a lot of really good relationships. There was a time in my life when I I sought uh, the opinions of people for my own identity, for my own affirmation. There was a time in my life, whatever that is for you. There was a time in my life when, it was before Jesus, then I met Jesus. Jesus became real to me. And then I realized that he, what he did was he, he gave me grace. He showered me with mercy. And now I don't have to walk in shame anymore. But now I can walk in freedom because of what he's done. Now, now and that's the second thing. There was a time in my life when, then I met Jesus. And then third is now my life is like this. Now my life is, is still difficult at times. But now I walk every day through the difficulty uh, and through the ups and the downs with God by my side. He's with me. I have a relationship with the almighty God who created the universe, who loves me and cares for me. And then you can ask them, do you have a story like that? Do you have a story like that? So three steps. One, there was a time in my life when. Number two, then I met Jesus. And number three, now my life is like. For me, like there was a time in my life when I felt uh, abandoned and, and unloved and unlovable and depressed and anxious. There was a time in my life when I didn't have any direction, any, any purpose, any kind of idea of what wor- the world was or who God was or if, or if any of this thing was worth it. There was a time in my life. This is like for real. This is my time. That was the time of my life. And then, and then I met Jesus and he showed me that, man, I, my, my worth is dependent on what he says about me. And y'all, he's, he came and he gave his life for me. That's so crazy. And, and now he's showered me with mercy and now my life is, is, yeah, it's difficult, but now I have purpose. Now I have guidance. Now I have a direction in my life where now I have a relationship with the Almighty God. And no matter if these people or those people or whatever people leave me, I have Him by my side and now I can trust in Him forever. That's my, that's my story. So what's your story? What's your story? Your story could be the pathway, the on-ramp to someone starting a relationship with Jesus if you're just willing to share it. Right? Like, because again, guys, we would agree, Christ-centered, that's what we should be. Better together, that's good, I like that. But we're also disciple-making disciples. We are people who have been called by the Almighty God to make disciples. And not everyone will say yes. In fact, the man who was born blind and now can see, people rejected that testimony. Like, no, don't believe in Jesus. And that's okay. That's okay. You pray that God will reach them with someone else. But you're willing to share your story and to start a relationship with someone where you can guide them to God. So your story, it's important. It's the testimony of how God has worked in your life. 
But it takes intentionality. Like we're, It's not going to happen on accident. We have to be in tune with the Spirit and let Him lead us. And then we have to just have enough courage where we trust that God's going to be with us even in the midst of these conversations and He's going to work through it. And again, guys, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything. Whatever you're... Like, all of us have some kind of thing that gets in the way of us doing this. Take take whatever those things are. Take them to God. And say, God, please take away these barriers. Like, imagine what it would be like. Imagine, like, this, the story, the walk with Jesus, the life with Jesus is meant to be abundant. It's meant to be fulfilled. It's meant to be life fully. Like, it's meant to be a thing that is an adventure, y'all. And imagine how much more your life would be an adventure. Is if when you're coming to community group and because you're better together and you're sharing prayer requests, you had a praise that, man, God opened the door for me to have a conversation with my coworker and it was so good. I don't know what they're going to say in response, but I'm just letting them sit with that and I'm going to follow up with them and I'm praying for them. Like, can we just pray for them? Like, imagine how much more exciting your life would be if we just followed God and what he's called us to do. Love God, to love people, and make disciples. Make no mistake, that calling is not just for the pastors. For some reason, we've bought into the lie that that the call to make disciples is only for pastors and missionaries. It's for all of us. All of us. No matter how much theology we have memorized or verses we have memorized or not. It's for all of us. If you've had an encounter with Jesus, then you can share your story about Jesus and more people can come to know Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 15 says this. How then can they call on him they have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing about him? Like, how can they hear? How can they know who Jesus is? How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Preaching is not just what I'm doing right now on the stage. It's not just presenting God's word to a group of people from a stage. Preaching can happen across the table. Preaching can happen over the phone. Preaching can happen in the line at Kroger. Preaching can happen at any point in time where you and someone else are present. Preaching is something we're all called to do. It's not something where you have to yell and you have to do these things with your hands because you saw Brandon do this with his hands. You just have a conversation with someone about Jesus. That's what preaching is. It's proclaiming God's good news. And how beautiful are the, the feet of those who are sent. And guess who are sent? You. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the end of the age. Jesus has said this to all of us. To love God. To love people. And to make disciples. I pray that maybe a few of you. Will really allow the Holy Spirit to capture your heart in this. And to really just start asking God. God, what do you? how do you want to use me in someone's life today? Show me someone I can share my story with. And man, like, imagine us being a church where when someone wanted to follow Jesus, the person who invested in their life was the one who baptized them, whether it's a pastor or not. But someone who, who says, hey, they've been walking with me, they've been praying for me, they've been, they've been encouraging me, and now I'm ready to surrender to Jesus, and you could be part of someone's eternity. That's meant for all of us to just follow Jesus when he's called us to do. And that is to make disciples, to love God, to love people, 
and to make disciples. So I hope and pray that some of you will say, yes, I really see that. I know it's what Jesus said. And now I'm going to believe it enough to do it. And he'll be with you throughout that. And, you know, maybe you're asking the question, like, what do I do after I share, some, share my story with someone? Is that it? Well, no. You help them take some steps toward Jesus. So we have this thing at FCC called a discipleship pathway. It's called Core Steps. And they're very simple. Read the Bible. Join a community group. Serve on a ministry team. By the way, some of our ministry teams are the front lines of making disciples of the next generation. Our children's ministry, our student ministry, you can be part of this. So read the Bible. Join a community group. Serve on a ministry team. Practice generosity. And then help others take core steps. So, hey, when you're at work or you have you talked to someone and you shared your story with them and they're interested in learning more about God, then what could you do with them? You could read the Bible with them. You could pray with them. You could invite them to your community group. Did you know that you can invite guests to community groups? Someone's first encounter with First Church of Christ could totally be through a community group. You could, you could help them serve in some way. You can help them learn about generosity. You can, you can teach them what it looks like to surrender to Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, it's not usually always a linear thing. It's, you just trust God and how he's leading you in that moment. And as, as you go along the way and you have questions or something, like, I'd love to help you. And we're going to be talking about this more and more and more in the future of what it looks like to make disciples. Because we are disciple-making disciples. We're meant to exponential Growth in our faith. Our faith isn't just meant for you in your closet. It's for, meant for you in the world. Church, would you stand? We're going to sing and we're going to pray out to our awesome God. Father, we come to you thanking you for loving us and caring for us. And God, it's just so cool that you saved us. And it's, you saved us not just for someday when, when we get to enjoy the new heavens and the new earth with you for eternity. But it's also you saved us from our sin for a mission. So God, as we go about our daily lives, just as ordinary people who love an extraordinary God, would you encourage us uh, in the fact that we get to be bearers of hope, bearers of good news, where we can have conversations with someone, we can be willing to share our story. God, would you give us all opportunities in the next week to share our story with someone, to share our Jesus story so that more people can see your work in the world, so that more people could see you as the ultimate hope. God, would you help us to believe it? Would you help us to trust you, to have the courage that it would take to have these conversations with people? And to just trust you with the result. Father, we thank you and we are about to praise you. And we pray that you would receive it as praise and worship to you. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Church, you said.